There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Rub-a-dub-dub, 12 actors in a tub, and who do you think they be? Ernie and Shelly and Roddy and Jack, all of them lost at sea. Under the sea, under the sea, Ernest had better get down where it's wetter, take it from me. Back in the bow they drown real fast, sink faster than the mast, while Gina's speech and everyone reaching under the sea. Uh, Before I get tied to a rock and tossed overboard, I'm going to stop this musical madness and remind you all that this is Max Mike Movies, and we're here to talk film, not flooding. The Poseidon Adventure is this week's entry in our treatise on disaster porn. And who is going to be harpooning or hooraying this bit of destructive detritus? First on the deck is Max. I'm going to sink this bitch, Levine. Say something salty, Max. I'm the, cap- I'm the king of the world, bitches. Sure. And I, I am the first mate, Mike. Drop those coconuts loose. Bonk. Ow! Together, we're a happy crew. But what makes us even happier is reading your answers to our... Question. Last week's inquiry was, what is your favorite cinematic giant monster? You had many things to say. Oh! Like that. All of them cool. Right from the heart of the frozen north, Vince posted this to our website. Quote, this is a hard one for me. Oh, I know. Sasquatch. No. Bigfoot. No. Big Squatch. <laughs> Would you shut Squatch? <laughs> Quote, this is a hard one for me. My mom loved Gamera, the friend of the children, but I had a huge Godzilla-shaped space in my heart. I am not sure if it's because it fit my fascination with dinosaurs as a kid, or that Godzilla movies played every weekend at the local movie house costing 50 cents for a double feature. I pretty much love most of them, and because just the premise of having a giant monster is pretty ridiculous, so I don't question the films and just enjoy them. Seeing them represented in big-budget, effects-laden movies these days melts my cold, snow-covered Canadian heart, end quote. That's really touching. Thanks, Vince. And sorry. Yeah, you should be. From Facebook, because that's still a thing, Dave... Professor Dave... Good enough. Had this to say, quote, For me, the original Godzilla v. Mothra... That's a big case. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was uh, in Superior Court, wasn't it? I think so. Um, For me, the original Godzilla v. Mothra is the best of those movies, so I guess it's Mothra, but only if you include his entourage, the Peanuts and the tribe on that island who speak that goofy language, end quote. Yeah, Mothra. Oh, I was brief. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Also, was to the point. Wasn't Mothra a she? I thought Mothra was a she. I don't know. Hmm. It, it seemed it's, to change. It's incredibly important, I'm yes. sure. Beverly Bates bent the rules just a little with, quote, Sully from Monsters, Inc., end uh, quote. Not giant. No, but he is a sweetheart, yeah, so thanks, yeah. Beverly. Yep. We'll allow it. Nick Hoffman went in a very different direction, quote, I'm rather partial to dragons myself. Hmm. Vermithrax, the dragon from Dragon Slayer, was the first time I saw a dragon in a movie that hit the mark. End quote. I do love me some Vermithrax. He is some serious dragon action. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Val Coons, matriarch of the Q Footsteps podcast, posted, quote, Does toothless count? My favorite kaiju is Gamera. Who doesn't love a giant turtle who can throw flames from his leg holes? I will always have a special place for Gojira, too. That movie got to me from the social commentary point of view. Very sad, end quote. Indeed sad, until he came back next movie and Mm. for the next 70 years. Thanks, Val. 
Okay, deep breath. Adam Mark had very definite opinions indeed. Quote, Without question, the T-Rex in the original Jurassic Park. Oh. It's an amazing achievement of cinema. The signs of it arriving, like the vibrating water in the cup. Where's the goat? It's lumbering through the turned-off electric fence, a slow-motion realization of horror for the viewer. The people in the jeeps, proxies for the audience, being frozen in fear. They, like us, are frozen in their seats. Spielberg was clever in making the viewer feel trapped like the people in the cars. You cannot be a passive observer here. You become trapped in the car, too. The authenticity of it, such as the wet scales in the rain, the footfalls, snorts, it's roar! I mean, he just wrote roar, but I'm sure that's what he meant. How well it is animated, this CGI still holds up decades later and won well-deserved Oscars for best sound editing, best sound mixing, and best visual effects. How it destroys the cars and chases the people. There's an amazing physicality to this monster. It doesn't just look real, it feels real. The twisting of the metal, the shattering of the glass, the rain, the mud. Spielberg was a genius in bringing the monster to life. You'll notice it's always shot from ground level. No soaring vantage points for this monster. You're on the ground, you're small, and T-Rex is coming after you. The reactions of the people, Lexi's screams, Max's wails in the smashed overturned car, Alan's commands to the children, scared and struggling to suppress it, Ellie's repeated scream of, um, I can't say this word, uh, blank, as their jeep speeds away. These actors sell it. They deserve an Oscar for Best Ensemble Cast. Their reactions sell T-Rex. The rest of the Jurassic Park series is not worth mentioning. But the original stands out. A monster for the ages. End quote. Wow. Oh, that, uh, that was, wow. I thought that was from Dave. Uh, thanks that for was the, a treatise right there. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the very well thought out detailed post, Adam. Seriously. Tyler Stewart offered something a little more brief. Quote, I bounced between Godzilla and King Kong before settling on Kong, both the original and the Peter Jackson version, end quote. Mm. Kong is king for a reason. Thanks, Tyler. Mm. Val Coons snuck back in with, quote, <laughs> Stephen the assistant would like to put in the Iron Giant. He says not all monsters are evil. Second choice is the Anaconda from Anaconda, end quote. Huh. Interesting. Uh, thank you, sure. Assistant Stephen. Does that mean there's a Stephen Prime? Um, I assume if you keep working, eventually you'll be manager Stephen. Ooh. Matt Reisman gives us, quote, In animation, I love the Hydra from Hercules. In live action, I like the dragon from Dragonheart on its own, but the movie is somewhat lacking. Yeah. I feel like the Balrog should have an honorable mention here, though. End quote. Mm -hmm. And so it shall. Yeah. Balrog. Thanks, Matt. And Jamie Kleinert gave us a bunch from a totally different angle. Quote, Falcor from The NeverEnding Story. R-O-U-S's, rodents of unusual size, size yep. just because of their ridiculousness. Mm. I mean, giant is a relative term, right? Yeah. yeah. The Balrog and the Rancor. Brad named Godzilla, Mechagodzilla, and King Kong. End quote. Thanks, Jamie and Brad. Thank you. Very cool. Well, it looks like that's all the time we have for that, except to ask Max uh. what his favorite giant movie monster is. Nobody cry when Joes die. <laughs> when my conk die, everybody cry. I make sure they cry when my conk die. So you're choosing King Kong. I, I like King Kong. I, there's just something, and maybe it's just because he's a fellow primate. There's something more, <laughs> well, he is. I, yeah, I mean, sure. That, there's something more human about him, and he is one of the monsters that really is wronged. You know, he's sure. he's yep. just hanging out in Skull Island, groove, moving and a-grooving. Eating a lot of fruit. It was fine until we showed up and took him away. Yeah. 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 Um, how about me, you ask? Yes, how about you? 
Uh, I have a soft spot for Gamera because he's so stupid. I and mean, he is filled with meat. Y- yes, and he's fun to eat. Yep. Um, I also have a soft spot for a one-timer named Reptilicus, oh, which my no. sister and I referred to as the Swedish snot monster. Oh, dear. But of course, you know, really, yeah. who can argue with Godzilla? Yeah. Godzilla. yeah. But we loved all your answers, thank so you thank so you. Much. We couldn't ask for more, mm-hmm. except to answer this week's poll question. Yes. Do you prefer your disaster porn intimate or on a grand scale? Mm. Small, like a single vehicle of some kind, or huge, like entire cities? Let us know and tell us why, and follow us down the long, dark tunnel to trivia. The facts. Budget. $4.7 million, so much money. Hey, in 1972, yeah. Take, take a guess. Nope. Yes. I'm always wrong. Uh, that's okay, take a uh, guess. Okay, uh, 11 million. 125. Whoa! Yeah. So that would be more. Yes, well, so that would be a good thing, yes. That, that is good. This kind, mo- of, kind of explain why there were so many then in the Well, 70s. we're getting to that. This movie was shot in sequence, something rarely done in Ooh, Hollywood for logistical reasons. Rare. However, it did allow makeup to progress as the actors got dirtier and more wounded. Shelley Winters was only 51 when making this film, though she <laughs> plays a good deal older. Ernest Borgnine was 54. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine looked like he was 54 when he was 11. A 12, but you're correct. Yeah. Winters was a huge fan of gin rummy and often played to keep herself occupied between shots. During the making of this film, she lost $260,000 to her rummy partner and screened husband, Jack Albertson, though she never paid him. Well, he he probably never tried to collect. Mm, He's a very nice guy. Shelley Winters, trooper that she is, gained 35 pounds for her role in this and took swimming lessons from an Olympic swimming coach so that her character would appear more realistic in the utter underwater scenes. Mm. There were 125 stunt people hired for this movie, wow. although only 53 were credited. Hmm. Some stunts were performed by the actors themselves in a sort of unofficial competition. After doing some of the stunts, actors such as Ernest Borgnine questioned whether they really should be doing these things. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. Yeah. The capsizing scene was not done all at once. Instead, a hydrogen... Hydrogically? Hydraulically activated set was turned 45 degrees. Cameras Mm. stopped. The set was redecorated so that what was the ceiling was now the floor. Actors were put back in and cameras rolled again. Many scenes were shot on the permanently docked Queen Mary. The Poseidon itself was modeled after Mary's blueprints. Mm. They don't always get along. Uh, Jack Albertson, who played Shelley Winters' husband, apparently did not like Ms. Winters, and this is before that she wouldn't pay him the $260,000, <laughs> and claimed the only scene he really enjoyed filming with her was when she died. Oh, ouch. <laughs> yep. The Morning After, the theme song to The Poseidon Adventure, won it an Oscar for Best Song, yeah. though we are all probably much more familiar with the Maureen McGovern version. Yeah, I was. Other awards won by this movie include a special award for the visual effects, mm-hmm. Best Actor BAFTA for Gene Hackman, and a Best Supporting Actress Golden Globe for Shelley Winters. Huh. In 1979, they made a sequel called Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> That Watch it sink. F- that film has a 0% rating on the fruit site oh and made $2.1 off its $10 million budget. So, Ooh, that's bad. Yeah. But that's okay. The original film was remade in 2006, but retitled Poseidon. It was? It was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. 
only has a 33% rating on that old fruit site and made only $180 million off of a $160 million budget. Mm-hmm. That's a double oops. Ouch. Yeah. This was, however, the highest grossing American film of 1973. So there. Mm-hmm. But now, unless Max has some fishy facts to add... I'll call my fishy friends, but <laughs> yes, I do. Aha, I and thought that, you might. That is about the presence of a couple... Well, one very significant musician, and one incredible musician who should have been in the movie but wasn't. Okay. Now, the band who plays along with Noni singing (laughs) their one song of There's Got to Be a Morning After over and over again. (laughs) More than once. Yeah. uh, One of those was the bass player is Mark Tullin. Oh. From the 60s, the legendary 60s psychedelic rock band, the Electric Prunes. Oh, okay. This is a guy who is, in fact, called Dr. Psychedelic. Oh. The guitarist, who is uh, supposed to be Noni's brother, was... Sup- Spinal Tap? No. <laughs> he was supposed... This is a little more obscure. He ends up being played by someone I don't care about. Oh. What bothers me is who he should have been played by. Who was originally cast was a guy named Wadi Wachdell. Oh, yeah. Ah, a no. famous session musician who played no. with Warren Zevon in oh. his band and is referenced in the song Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead by name. Oh. He should have been in it, but the problem was Noni has blue eyes and he has brown eyes. Oh, we're going to come back to that. Okay. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> All right. That's pretty much, that's pretty much uh, the only other trivia I have. Sorry, Wadi, you should have been in it. Sure. All right. The plot for those who have not seen The Poseidon Adventure. It's 1972-ish, and there's a bunch of people aboard the final voyage of the SS Poseidon as it travels from New York to Athens. You heard that right. Along the way, Captain Leslie Nielsen is trying to take things easily as the boat is really on its way to the scrapyard, but a representative of the company that owns the boat keeps goading him into pushing the engines to their fullest so that they don't waste time and money on a boat that's heading for its grave. (laughs) Grave. The voyage is attended by an all-star cast and some other people. It's New Year's Eve, everyone is celebrating, but a sudden, unexpected rogue wave has other ideas. Having pushed the ship past what he thinks is safe, all Captain Nielsen can do is make a sudden turn and hope for the best. It doesn't work, and the boat is capsized, killing most of the crew instantly and sending the partiers to to the ceiling in a rather sudden crash. It's now all Reverend Gene Hapman can do to try and save this, his new flock, trying to lead them to safety, threading his way through wreckage and fires to the far back end of the ship in hopes that, once there, someone can cut through what is apparently the thinnest section of solid steel before they sink. There's arguing, a smart aleck kid, an aged swimming champ, song and dance man Jack Albertson, and even Ernest Borgnine. Who will live? Who will die? Will it all be for naught? It's disaster porn, baby. That's how we roll. The film. So, Max, I always like to ask this question. When was the first time, or have you seen this before? Nope. Oh, this is the first for both of us. Yeah, I'd seen a couple of scenes. I'd seen a couple of the the famous scenes. I maybe saw it on TV, bits and pieces. I never watched the whole thing start to finish. I didn't put this in the trivia. So one of the most famous scenes from this film is when the boat overturns and a guy falls and lands straight into the The glass glass ceiling. Ceiling, which is now the glass floor. Yeah, so the guy who was supposed to do that uh, was worried about falling such a, from such a height, and they're like, no, really, it's safe. So they got a dog, Ooh. and they let the dog do it, Uh-oh. and he's like, well, if a dog can do it, you can do it. He's like, well, okay. And I think it was his, he, he still got nervous because it was a little higher up, 
So his wife came out and his wife did it. And he's like, okay, if the dog and my wife can do it, I can do it. Uh-huh. And then he later, later went on to become a stunt coordinator, believe it or not. But oh, yeah, okay. That's probably the most famous scene. Cool. So you, this is one of those films that had lived in your periphery. Oh, yeah. Everyone knew about it. I knew the damn song. I did not know the song was from uh, this. Yeah. I knew the song. I knew the song was from this. I don't I remember how. It just came up. did not know they were going to play it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, so this is first for both of us. Let's uh, let's start with the actors as we okay. we've been doing lately. I think yep. that works out pretty well. I did like in the credits it just says and Leslie Nielsen as the captain. All I could think was and Leslie Nielsen as the beaver. <laughs> well, all right. I that was also good. if you see Leslie Nielsen is in it, it's like oh this is not going to go well for you. <laughs> now to be fair, it depends on when in his career. Up <laughs> till this point, you're probably right. <laughs> I mean, after this point, yeah, I should say. Yeah. Because, uh, of course, in Airplane, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, I also another question. Um, have you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> Do you like to watch gladiator movies? <laughs> what? <laughs> Gene Hackman. What did you think of Gene? The Hackman. <laughs> I knew we were going to get a past another episode Ooh. of that robot monster. The Hackman. <laughs> to Do live like, like the, the Hackman. <laughs> to preach like the Hackman. <laughs> um, what did you think of him as a priest? I love Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman is a, a terrific actor. I didn't buy him as a priest for a <laughs> nanosecond. I'm sorry. Never mind the 70s hair and the, the jacket well, and the turtleneck. So Gene was was doing some serious coming over yeah, at this boy. point. And there's a point where in the early part of the film where he's out on deck mm-hmm. and the wind is basically going, <laughs> you have a comb yeah. over, you have a comb over. Yeah, flip, it, flip. Does this bug you? Does this bug you? <laughs> I'm the wind. You can't do anything. Flip, flip. Yeah. Uh, he, he tries, but... I don't buy that he's a, a reverend, or I don't know if he was... They keep calling him a reverend, but he mentions a bishop, that he, his bishop is sending him to Africa. Well, he could, su- be, he could be Episcopalian. He could be, that's true. But the, the priest he's talking to yeah. is wearing the full collar, the full rabat, you know, the collar. Yeah. That, that guy was Catholic. Yeah, so I... Yeah, it's I, hard to it tell. reminds me of a MASH quote, which was basically, priests aren't supposed to hurt people. <laughs> He is really much more the hack man than yeah. he is the god man, I yeah, think. Kind of. And while his performance itself is solid, his portrayal of a priest is kind of unbelievable. And again, I, that might be the script. I don't know. Because the lines he have are, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a rebel. I'm a, I'm a troublemaker. They sent me away because, you know, they can't, they can't handle the truth. He's, <laughs> it's like, Hackman's a good priest. Wait, that's Jack... Nicholson. Whatever. <laughs> no. Like, you know, so, T.J. Hackman, the man of God. Hackman. I don't know. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine, I swear, he does not stop yelling for the length of the movie. He is quite noisy in this, and he's an interesting character. He's a, I guess he's retired. He's a police. I don't know. We're not sure. He, he should, he looks like he should be retired, but he's a police detective lieutenant whose wife is a former hooker. That he arrested six times. That he arrested six times because that apparently... Is a way he got a date. I don't know. Apparently, that's that was based on a real person oh, that wow. had actually done oh. that. Yeah, and I just was like, why? Do they all what's with all the yelling and the screaming? He does that a lot. When he isn't being sort of nice and goofy, he's loud. He didn't in this film, but in he did, he did, he didn't do that in Marty. No, no, but that was a very different kind of movie. And twenty some odd years before yeah. that, and although occurs, he yeah. looks the same. Yeah. <laughs> and his wife is played by Stella Stevens, of all people. Yeah, and. Um, I have to say that in general, she doesn't stop yelling either. She's pretty loud, but uh, she—it's kind of a nice touch because clearly she can stand up to him. She's not—she's not intimidated by him. She's not afraid of him. 
No, and there's this weird, well, she has this weird problem where she is afraid that everyone's judging her for what she did or does, well, did, because now yeah. she's married. And the nicest part about the relationship is Ernest Borgnine keeps telling her, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. And obviously we find out later, he really knows what she did because he arrested her for it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I found her very shrill. Mm. Um, and she was not alone. <laughs> In the book, apparently, she is much, even less likable. Yeah. And she didn't want to take this part for two reasons. Yeah. One, she didn't want to play this part being unlikable. Mm -hmm. And two, she really did not like Shelley Winters. They had oh. worked together before, and mm -hmm. it had gone badly. Oh, dear. And this time, it turns out it went fine. Yeah. And Shelley, let's talk about Shelley Winters. Shelley Winters. You know, I said good for, for Shelley. She has a solid performance, and she honestly is pretty brave yeah. because... She is allowing herself to be portrayed in the 70s, not her 70s, in the 70s in a pretty unflattering light. When she gets into the water, I don't, that did not do any actor, male or female, any favors because she gained weight for the role. She's in granny panties, <laughs> let's face it. Yeah. But I love the fact that her character is like, the hell with this, I'm going to go save Gene Hackman. And she does. Yep. She and she points out because she was like when she was 17, she was an underwater swimming champion. Yeah. And she and it turns out, holy crap, yeah, she's actually better at this. Yeah. Uh, she's right. Up until it kills her. Oops, spoiler. Oh, well. Yeah, the film's. Yeah. 50 I like years her old. And, and Jack Albertson together. It, I, the fact that they didn't get along in real life doesn't come across. No. I think they're adorable together. Yes, they are very much the, the stereotypical old Jewish couple, but and, they're old Jewish people. <laughs> Or at least middle-aged Jewish people. And uh, I think both from New York. I can't remember. No, actually, sorry. Jack uh, Jack Albertson is from Malden, Massachusetts. Is he really? Yes, he is. Oh, that's that but thick is, Malden accent yes, that's coming through. He, yeah. he is uh, the, ch the children of Russian Jewish ap uh, immigrants. Huh. Jack, I thought, it's Jack Albertson. Yeah. We get the sweet, charming Jack Albertson we've always got. Even in Chico and the Man, mm -hmm. where he's grumpy Jack Albertson. Um, I mean, this is basically an extension of Grandpa Joe, right? Kind of. And he's fine. Yeah. I have no he problem a, he with him. He does a decent job. They don't have a lot to do. Roddy McDowell. What country was he supposed to be from? Worst Scottish accent wow. ever. <laughs> yeah, Apparently, yeah. he kind of gives up throughout the... Because yeah. he couldn't hold it, which is good, because he's terrible. He really doesn't do it well. It's just kind of... And that and the fact that his leg is injured... Are his only character traits. Yeah. He has nothing else. No. I mean, he's, to be fair, his part's not very big. Yeah. And there's, what about uh, Nancy Drew? Pamela Sue. Um, Sorry, Pamela Sue Martin. She's fine. There's nothing outstanding here. She's there. How come she's wearing hot pants under her skirt? <laughs> that is one of my notes. <laughs> We're going to get to that a little later. Yeah. But yeah, thank God they matched and everything. Yeah. Um, Eric Shea. Yeah, he plays the kid. Robin, yeah. Ro Ro yeah, That's I don't know where name. Batman is. Yeah, but my, first, uh, my first line on him is, oh, an adorable scrappy child. Please tell me he drowns first. <laughs> I actually said I thought he was one of the better kid actors I've seen in these things. He does a nice job, but the character, initially anyway, is so irritating. I and he's good at it. I mean, he's convincingly irritating. I Okay, I'm a little brother myself, mm -hmm. so I get it. Yeah. And luckily, the difference between... Him and Nancy Sue Drew there yeah. is greater than my sister and myself. <laughs> but first we see he's the know-it-all kid. He wants to know everything about the boat. He's thrilled. And he's got information which honestly ends up saving everybody. But also we get a scene where they're in their stateroom, him and Nancy Sue Drew, 
and he is just little brothering all over the place. He is yeah. jumping up and down the bed and just being a horrible little snot. And I'm kind of like, I don't know if I hate him or I really love him. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, for kid actors, I have to say, I think he does a pretty good job. Although, you may remember him better uh-huh. as Cindy Brady's secret admirer. Oh, yeah. I do not. In he fact, he did. He was he was paid off by Bobby, who was mm. really the secret admirer, and he was given. Ew. Well, he was trying to make Cindy feel good. Oh, he wasn't okay. really admiring his okay. sister. Although, since they're not actually, blood I know, related, I know. Let's not go into the Brady Bunch, Listen, shall we? No, no, that's that's a whole series right there. Um, and oh, red buttons. He comes off as kind of creepy, stalkery. Well, a little initially. He's initially he's sort of like. <laughs> I, I see him go, he, they have him out jogging, and he's doing the whole physical shtick, and it's like, uh-oh, Red Buttons is on a collision course with wackiness. <laughs> but that's not how they play him. They play him as kind of pathetic and uh, but then he, lonely. And then he sort of, well, to be fair, she, Noni, the singer, fixates on him. Well, that's Carol Lindley. Carol Lindley. My, my note was she was easily the weakest performer of the bunch. Yeah, she she's not very good. No, but... Like a limpet, Red <laughs> Buttons latches onto her and does not let her go. Yeah, yeah, and the, there's some implication that she's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of... yeah, We'll, we'll yeah, get to that creepy. part yet. Uh, and, and the rest. And the rest. There's plenty of others. Sure. By the way, the, the MC, the guy who's doing the countdown... Guy named um, Bob Hastings. Oh, ah. I do, you, uh, you probably do know him. I knew him. I didn't know I knew him. He is... The voice of Commissioner Gordon on Batman the Animated Series, most of the following Kevin Conroy uh, uh, Batman animated movies, a oh. whole bunch of the others. Well, well done, Bob. <laughs> yeah, we're rooting. You for wouldn't it. know it, but the, yeah, that's oh, him. except he dies. Oops. Yes, people die in this. <laughs> Lots of people die. Yeah, so almost the, everyone really, except our main cast. I I don't think anybody except for um, Miss Lindley there. Mm. I don't think anybody does a bad job. I'm going to go again. We had this the same issue last week where we're like, you know, I think the actors are doing a decent job, but it's the script. Mm. And the dialogue they're given is not good. Well, also it's like, hey, let's make two of the most on-screen people constantly bitching at each other because yeah. that's what the audience wants to see. Even better, let's make one of them bitching constantly to the guy who's trying to save them, and he's basically a linebacker priest. So yeah. that's going to go off really well. Yeah. It's a weird choice, weird directorial choice. It is odd to see like Ernest Borgnine trying to dominate Gene Hackman on the screen because it's like, oh, that is so cute. <laughs> it's like watching a kitten batting at a lion. Well, and the funny part is that physically, mm-hmm. I. Mm. You'd give the edge to Borgnine. He's got that fireplug brawler look. But thespianically. Oh. And Hackman <laughs> has so much more presence. Well, he is the Hackman. He is the Hackman. <laughs> yeah. Be a man. Be a Hackman. <laughs> um, so my first note of the film, because yeah. they decided to shove this in your face right off the bat, yeah. is, ladies and gentlemen, this will be your model ship this evening. <laughs> toy boat. Toy, toy boat. boat. <laughs> toy boat. Toy boat. I just... Mm, did you buy the... No. No. And no. it's really disappointing. This is jumping way ahead. Yeah. But I was watching, it's one of the few times, I don't usually look at a movie and go, oh, this is not how I would have shot that. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I appreciate cinematography, but I, my brain doesn't work that way. 
But when the, they're being rescued, the small number is being rescued, spoiler. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that, too. They, like, loading them on a helicopter. There's no, I thought, okay, now we're going to see a shot of the boat upside down. Yeah. It's going to be really, no, no, apparently, no, we're done. No. Oh, we're going to see a section of the underside that could just be up here, and then we're done. Well, like, well we uh, have to cycle back, but to add on to that, even worse, at one point, not too long before the end of the film, our little group of seven castaways <laughs> passes an inexplicably large group of people that were somehow partying but not on the in the dining room. I don't know where these people came from, but they're like, no, no, we're going to the bow because that's where the crew tells us to go. Right, it turns and, out that's the part that's going to be underwater. Well, except when we get to that scene you're talking about, the back end of the ship doesn't look like it's at an angle. Not it looks totally level. Yeah. So it's like... And then we see the helicopter literally go, well, we got all six of these people. Off we go. No, not, nobody even no tries. No one's looking. No, we yeah. can't possibly cut through the bow of the yeah. ship that is not currently actually actively sinking. So, bye, everybody. Mm. We're done. But now let's, let's yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so the boat, the ship model. It's not convincing. I, there wasn't even really a good shot of it there. I was like, yeah, that water looks huge. Or, yeah. mm. And to be fair, they don't show it very much. Not well, the outside that I mean, might have actually been a good thing. Yeah, that's, I think they, somebody must have gone, yeah, dude, this really doesn't look good. Yeah, uh, where's that key? We need to wind it up some more. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, the, the shot of the wave looks fairly impressive briefly. Yeah, well, we don't actually see the boat capsize. No, we don't. We see so, it get hit. I, uh, yeah. Uh, there also, the, the, the opening has this little bit of text. And it sort of feels like they're trying to claim this was real. Yeah, that's implied. It isn't, but no, that is the implication. It says like at this date, so and so, the SS Poseidon. Blah. I'm like, well, first off, spoiler. Thank you. I know they give away the well, ending. Well, we now the know film. what's going to happen. Uh, okay, thanks a lot. That's... The only reason I thought that somebody was going to get out at all because yeah. it made it sound like everybody died. Yeah. was oh, there's a kid. They're not going to kill off. Not going to kill the child. Yes. So if nobody else gets out, the Eric Shea gets out. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. So we have an introduction to each of the characters, and they do it in a way where we go from one character to the other. And these character introductions, I don't know if you felt this yeah. way, but to me, the character introductions felt a lot like character introductions. <laughs> All I could think was, the love boat. Because they always would do those little expository, oh gosh, I... Uh, I'm going on this cruise because I'm getting over my divorce. It was very much like, hi, I'm a police detective lieutenant, and this is my hooker wife, and hi, hi. we're two old Jewish people going to go visit our children who we have seven seen in years, and hi, I'm this guy, and hi. It's, they might as well have been wearing name tags, you know, hello, <laughs> my, name, my name is going to die soon. <laughs> my name's Hookerina. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, what's the word I want? Um, kind of stiffly written. Yeah, it's very stiffly written, even to the point where uh, at, they're they're sitting at dinner. It's New Year's Eve. That's a big thing, apparently. Yeah. And, Did and you the, notice the, what song they played when the, when the clock struck for twelve? He's a jolly good fellow. I've written <laughs> I my notes know. too. It's like that's not a New Year's song. No. Now they do then play "Old Lang Syne," yeah, which is another public domain, but much more New Year's Eve song. But yeah, Mike, wait. I'm trying. I'm thinking. Are they doing for he's a good, Ollie good fellow or the bear went over the mountain? Neither of them work. Bear, why, no, there's no bear in this movie. No. no. <laughs> yeah, and and the Very band odd. only the, knows uh, one song. I don't know if you noticed this, but there's, yeah. they're they're rehearsing 
so that they can oh. play that song for us later and yeah. it gets an Oscar or whatever. Yeah. And I actually thought that it was Maureen McGovern. I didn't realize somebody else had sung it first. And the, one of the reasons I thought that it was Maureen McGovern is that the person who, Carol Lindley there, um, Carol Lindley, uh, felt very much like a singer who doesn't know how to act. Yes, that's what I thought, actually. <laughs> I said, oh, look, it's Maureen McGovern in Spinal Tap, because that's what <laughs> our brother looks like. And the band I have looks like the Brady's meet the Allman Brothers. And even better... The scene where they're actually playing and yeah. not rehearsing, if you watch them, it is plainly obvious that no one's even close to their instruments. No. The drummer is like He's two or like three inches above them. He's sticks above it. They're the not guitar, the any kind of player isn't, isn't moving his left hand at all. And even better, if you watch the people dancing, I don't know what they're dancing to, yeah. but they're not dancing to this. Nobody dances to the morning after. <laughs> it, it's kind of sad and melancholy, which I guess is yeah, foreshadowing. Like, yeah. The song's yeah, what, the fine. Hell, what the hell is that kind of song is that to play at uh, on New Year's Eve? It's not celebratory. Well, maybe it's because it's 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 uh, talking about the foreshadowing of the hangover that is to come. Uh, maybe as bad as it. you're going to feel tomorrow, yeah. you'll be a morning after. Or maybe it's for the audience watching. This right, by the way, let me ask you something. The captain, Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> what was his name? Uh, captain Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't think he gets a name. I think he is just the captain. Well, and then there's the bad guy, which I didn't really oh. mention him. Suvlaki. What is his name? <laughs> I don't remember his name. I don't. I, uh, you... He's the Greek tycoon. That's yeah, all I know. Uh, Tatopoulos, you know, because <laughs> he's unscrupulous. <laughs> You're unstoppulous. <laughs> yeah, uh, and again, I'm sitting there going, okay, I just saw where James Cameron stole yeah. something for Titanic. You yeah. Know? It's like, oh, here's the... Here's the businessman. Here's Bob, here's Bob Executive, wants to know which way is business. And he stayed in there, must go fast, over 50 fast. Hey, you're kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, here's and it's Jeff like... Gold blowing up, must go faster, must go faster. Well, and I love the logic behind this. It's like, okay, this rusty old tub that we're literally going to throw out, we must take this rusty, nasty old boat and make it go as fast as it possibly can and get to Athens on and time. How is it costing the money to be... Not at Athens yet. Supplies, I guess. I, I guess, but it's already oil, bought oil, steam. Seems <laughs> very expensive in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. um, so he's just sitting there and saying, you know, whipping poor Leslie Nielsen. And, and they disappear after the first what twenty minutes? You know, once well, once the boat capsizes, they die. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it's suggested that they die. Um, we don't really know. No, you know, we never no. see. We see them. We see water come in, but well, all right, so. We have this whole opening part where we're introduced to all the characters and then we care about them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pause for dramatic effect. Sure. And then we go to the New Year's Eve party where we see everybody dancing mm -hmm. in a ballroom that has no windows. Yeah, I was a little confused <laughs> about that. Don't you usually put the ballroom like near the top of the So ship? you have a nice view of You can of see outside things, or not. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's like, well, so we don't drown immediately. Well, but. not only do we not drown, but we have plenty of time to stay dry before the water even thinks of coming in. Yeah, and that, that we can, was, that's a strange setup, that boat. Well, all right. So the the wave comes in, the tsunami, if you will, because yeah. they weren't calling them. I mean, the Japanese were calling yeah. them, but we weren't. It was a rogue wave. Excuse me, a rogue wave. Yeah, a rogue warrior three. <laughs> If you will. Wow, it's been a while. Yeah. That's a deep house. Yep. Um, <laughs> so <Shame> this on you. <laughs> I didn't mm. make it. It was my million francs. Um, sorry, Euros. Mm. 
So the, they're they're partying. Oh, shall go. And I love the fact that the kid Eric Shea, who, who I don't remember yeah. David. His name's David. I don't remember Robin. His name. Robin, that's right. Uh, Boy Wonder yeah. has a glass of champagne. And I'm like, yeah, you know whoa. what? Good for you. Yeah. You're nice going to clean that mess up in the morning, but yep. good for you. Yep. And right after uh, midnight, and everyone's singing, the alarm goes off, and I love the reaction of everybody, including the crew. It's like, hey, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> That's and weird noise. The the thing comes in, it tosses the ship upside down, mm-hmm. killing only the crew because mm. basically everybody, we find out later, everyone in the engine room instantly died. We're guessing everybody in the wheelhouse instantly died. Well, they probably did. They, the glass broke and they would have been underwater. Probably, I guess. Um, I, of course, also wonder, is that um, tipping all the way upside down, is that a thing? I don't know. I mean, it seems kind of weird, but it's, maybe... They try to design ships so, so that can't happen. Or if it does capsize, it'll right itself because of the weight of the keel. Well, and he was talking about how the ship was top-heavy. Yeah, and they and don't have enough ballast. ballast. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. It seemed kind of hinky to me. A little hinky. But now we've got plenty of time for everyone to start arguing yeah. again, again in the ballroom. And yeah. it's decided that, no, 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 don't listen to the crew... Listen to Father Gene Hackman. Yes, who is the crew, the purser, because, you know, one person you want to listen to is Gopher Smith there. Uh, <laughs> I wish Isaac had been there. Is saying, you know, everyone stay put, help will come. My first thought is, from where? Yeah. I mean, There's, they, they got we, a mayday out, but, you know. He's, you know, the, Hackman wasn't wrong. It's like, well, help from where? But they're all probably dead. You don't know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, I love it how they even show the mayday. It's like, mayday, mayday, we're... Sploosh. <laughs> we're was, wet. Yeah. We're wet and we're still hysterical. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the purser saying everyone's, remain calm. Yeah. Stay here and don't move. And Hackman is saying, no, come come with me if you want to live. <laughs> Not exactly Not like exactly, that. exactly, no. And then he goes. <laughs> so they, they very symbolically climb up a Christmas tree to an upside down <sighs> An upside-down balcony, I guess. Well, they climbed their way to safety to Roddy McDowell. Yes, they climbed it. <laughs> well, and of course, why are they going this way? Because the kid, who has just taken a tour of literally every inch of the boat yeah. and has a photographic memory, says, no, no, no. Yeah. The thinnest steel on the boat, I happen uh, to know this, yeah. is at the very back end of the boat near the propeller. <laughs> thank, you, we... pl- thank you, young plot convenience. <laughs> and he's like, you know, it's only one inch thick there. I'm like, and what are you going to do? An inch, Borgenheim points out, it's an inch of steel. Yeah. How is that better? Hagman says, well, it's better than two inches of steel. Which which I'm thinking, as far as you're concerned, no, it isn't. What so, are you going to do? Scrape your way out? Chew through it? Besides, that's not what she said. Uh-huh. Um, so, yes, they decided that the Hackman decided that we're going this way, the hell with the rest of you. Yeah. Literally. Well, he's try- He's begging them all, please come with me. Why? Yeah. Because I'm Gene friggin' Hackman, man. I will save you. He just acts like there's no reason they shouldn't be listening to him. And, of course, he is the right Reverend Gene Hackman, so that's why. Um, And then they they manage to climb up the Christmas tree. But first, Mm -hmm. ladies, you must remove your skirts because there's no way you can climb with a skirt. Although, how is it that Linda has to remove her skirt but leave on her six-inch hurt-me heels? Well, everybody does. And how is it that Pamela Sue Martin has thought ahead? You know, tonight, underneath this long, red, flowing velvet skirt, I should have some red velvet hot pants that match. (laughs) I should do that. Yeah. 
And then, but who they do they not say has to do that? Shelly Winters. Shelly Winters. Well, her and does shirt she get is up about fine? knee length. Doesn't matter. She no, gets no. up just fine. She gets stuck, though. And, uh, but that's Jean not because of her skirt. Gene Hackman has to grab her, her hinder and push her on up. <laughs> Here you go, Heine. <laughs> yeah, so they get to the top, and then the water breaks in. Yeah. And here's the problem I had with this. The water breaks in, and people start panicking. They all start going for the Christmas tree. The water's yeah. not exactly rushing in. No, the and if they just waited, they'd it would lift them up to <laughs> the doorway yeah. pretty easily. Yeah. Like, can you just, yeah. like, tread some water? Yeah. That's I know. It's, really I'm sure do. it's very cold. It's yeah. January 1st. Well, it's the middle of the ocean. Except nobody ever shivers when they get wet. Yeah, nor do you notice, nor do you see anybody's breath. So we don't know exactly where they got hit. But it's in the Atlantic. They haven't made it to the Mediterranean, yeah. so it can't be that warm. Yeah. Or at least yeah. it shouldn't be. I think for the sake of the actors, it was. But yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they managed to make their way up and so on and so forth. But we end up with basically seven stranded castaways. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> also, I don't know if you noticed this. This was an odd directorial choice. Mm -hmm. For some reason, throughout the film, it doesn't matter exactly what's going on. It doesn't matter the tension level. The, the scene, whether it's a love scene or it's a, uh, a fighting scene or whatever, the film is constantly rocking back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why this is happening. Have you ever been on any kind of large cruise ship? I have. Did you ever notice it rocking back and forth? Yeah, we were in a storm once. In, in a storm. In a storm, but in normally one of those things, not really. No. They're, they're pretty stable. I mean, I was on a river cruise once, mm -hmm. and I had a cabin below decks, so my window was just above the waterline. Mm -hmm. And I played a game, are we moving or aren't we moving? <laughs> and I was usually wrong. Mm. <laughs> so my thought was, huh? Why? Everything seems stable. None of the stuff in the shot was swaying back and forth. It's just the camera was going back and forth. Yeah. And I don't, and it was very rhythmic. I mean, in a way it was kind of soothing. <laughs> I assumed it was supposed to make, oh, you're on a boat. But yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense on a massive ocean liner. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I also had to ask, um, I don't know, if you're, since you were on a big cruise ship, I yeah. wasn't. Um, do they usually nail the furniture down? I don't remember. I don't think they did. Yeah, because they do in this one. Yeah, the so furniture they, is all, the tables are all still hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. I don't know. It really makes it hard to change the setup for anything. I, yeah. Like, oh, we're going to have a big Maybe they celebration. bolt them down. I don't know. Maybe they... It seemed kind of weird I have to no me. idea. Then, of course, Any as of you pe know, tell people, us know. people try to get out, there is a there is death by Christmas tree, one of yeah. the saddest ways to go. Yep, yep. And I got to say, at one point, you know, the hack man has gotten everybody out, or all of his people out, and he goes back in, and he's looking at the carnage below, and everyone's floating, and... Uh, he he just has this. I, I just get this this idea of sort of a brief look of ha ha. Should have listened to me. Should have listened to me. Nanny nanny boo boo. You're all gonna die. Which character is that? It's the Reverend. No 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 no. The ha ha. Oh Nelson. Nelson. <laughs> the Reverend Nelson. Yes. Yeah. A little. I I know that's not what he was going for, but that's all I could think. Well, and I'm trying to figure out the film is playing lightly and loosely with the idea of faith. Mm -hmm. and Yeah, and the idea I mean, that Hackman, it's hard to tell if he doesn't, if his, he doesn't have his faith anymore, or well, if... That, that comes into question yeah. later on in the film, but he's got new faith, TM, I guess. Yeah. And that's his whole approach to 
preaching is what's like, well, I don't know, you're kind of a wild and wacky young priest. Young. <laughs> and he's going off to, they're sending him like to the worst part, or not the worst part, they're sending him off to like one of the most remote areas where there happen to be Christians mm -hmm. to go off. And he's like, oh, I'm all for it. Great. I'm going to go do this thing and go waka, waka, waka and do mm. my magic priest <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. I and will then, teach them the way of the hack man. And he spends most of the film saying, follow me. He doesn't say, because I represent a divine being, no, but he kind of implies it a lot. He's a lot more of a motivational speaker than he is a priest, because what oh. he's saying is, yeah, guess what? God doesn't give a damn about you. He doesn't care about the individual. He cares about mankind as a whole. Right. But if you want to get help, you got to do it yourself. He's not going to help you in your everyday life. It's like... Gee, what are you, a deist? Hang on. What, so you? what you're really saying boiled down is you must live like the hack man. You must live like the hack man. <laughs> Believe in the hack man. Because I'm the hack man. No, yes, the hack man. <laughs> but so then yeah. we get, you know, blah, blah, blah. Follow me, follow yeah. me. No, trust me, follow me. And at one point, he, of course, he and Ernest Borgnine, if Ernest Borgnine isn't arguing with his wife, he's, he's arguing, arguing with, with Gene Hackman. Yeah. And they finally get to a point where Borgnine's had enough I guess. He yeah. seems the same throughout the film, so it's hard to tell. But he's like, look, those people are going to the bow. We're going to go with them because there's crew with them. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, they know the ship a lot better than <laughs> the, you do. Than is... this 10-year-old kid we're following. <laughs> Trust this kid. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to argue with that logic. But he's it, the, uh, this is where they really pile on the faith. And it's like, no, trust me. I know what I'm doing based on... This kid's testimony. Yeah. And he goes off with Pamela Sue Martin to find, because she's fallen she's for him. She's sort of imprinted on him. I don't know if she's in love with him or she just, well, he makes her feel safe. So You make me feel like Frank and Joe are both here. <laughs> the Hardy Boys. Sean says. and Parker, save me. <laughs> yeah, so there, we, we get this a lot in this era of film and this film and this film has a lot of it too where we get the older man and the younger woman and it mm -hmm. happens twice in this movie and in both cases it's really uncomfortable mm. one of them is with Gene Hackman and Carol Lindley oh no sorry Gene Hackman and Pamela Sue Anderson and Red Buttons mm. romantic heartthrob well, and again, Carol you could argue that the thing with Red Buttons is more of a paternal thing he's mm. trying to comfort he's trying to Support he because he's he trying to hold her really close. Well, she's holding on to him. Yeah, but he's not like doing the responsible thing and pushing her away either. He's mm. kind of goofily smiling, which is yeah. Anyway, so Hagman goes off says, "Follow me." I, mm. All right, fine. You want to follow these people? Give me fifteen minutes, and if yeah. I'm not back, go follow the people to the ball. He goes off and eventually does find his way to the magic engine room, which is where they're trying to go. Right. So okay. They follow and they keep following and they follow and they follow and they finally get to the point where there's a giant magic steam valve yeah. and suddenly the steam valve has to be turned. And the only person to do it is the Hackman. Yes, and he does it by hanging off it yeah. and screaming at God. Saying, hey, you a little help here? Well, he's like, you, what are you trying to do to us? Why do you keep killing us? We, you know, You haven't helped us at all. Well, but, We're not asking for you to help us, just don't kill us. And he's like, take, if you want to take another life, take mine. And, you know, then he falls to his death? Well, Into the water? Yeah. I mean, which, okay, there's fire on the top, but he falls through it. I don't yeah. get why he didn't just come back up. Well, I also love the fact that nobody decided to try and go down and see if yeah. he was okay. Yeah, no one was like, um, should we check if he's... Nah, let's go, he's Doesn't dead. float to the surface. My thought, too, is it's pretty obvious he gives up. Yeah. He gives up. Yeah, the one who's been yelling about faith this whole film says, 
the heck with this. Well, you can argue that either he's lost faith or he is offering himself up as a sacrifice because Hackman so loved mankind. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now here's my question, though. If he's given up faith, why shouldn't they turn around and go back to the bow? Well, they're already there. (laughs) Yeah, to get to the big metal plate that they hope somebody's on the other side of. Yeah, yeah. Because who the hell knows? I just, I didn't understand why he let go. Oh, I'll sacrifice myself for what? Like your just living wouldn't have changed the outcome of what you just did. Nope. So I'm trying to figure out if this is a message the film's trying to say. I don't know. Did you get any, were you no, confused? I, I was kind of confused by it. I was like, did you just, are you just tired? Did you just give up? Is your is your uh, uh, your contract run out? I don't it's it's hard. Yeah, I don't. I'll I be don't, in forty five minutes of this film. I think that was just a flaw for uh, in the in the script and in the directing. I don't get what he what was supposed to be uh, taken away from there. You did skip one of the best known scenes, though. Well, that is the underwater scene when uh, they have to to get to the engine room. They have to swim through this thirty five foot right area area <laughs> area. All through this area. And, uh, you know, the hack man, of course, is going to do it and take a rope and pull them along, but he gets stuck. And so Shelley Winters, or excuse me, Belle Rosen, who is the under, was, who 50 years ago was the underwater swimming champ, goes and saves him. And you know what? I wanted to applaud for Shelley. It's like, good for you. Yep. And she does it. And then she, I guess the implication, she has a heart attack or some such. Heart. Too old. Thump. Bell! Yes. That's a real deeper. Thumb. Yeah, who? It's too deeper. Too deep. But, uh, and I'm sorry, I think it's a very touching scene. It is I think a touching her death scene. scene where she takes off the Chai medallion that she's been wearing. And that's says, a little symbol? That's the symbol. Of life? That, yeah. Yep. C H A I. It looks an awful lot like the symbol for pie, also. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it has a little accent yeah, thing, right? But it's Chai. It's the, it means life. Oh, Chai. How are you? As in Lachayim to life. Oh, I thought it was that T. That no. <laughs> <laughs> now that's only if you're orthodox. Um, oh, I see. You made that up. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, you like you would know. <laughs> I I did. I, I pointed it out. Anyway, the scene. Yeah, and then when oh, poor old Jack Alberson comes up and sees that she's dead, and mm-hmm. is just crying over her, and I just think that's very moving. And even there's a little bit of a throwback to some. It's a callback to what uh, Hackman said when he's telling them, you know. We have we're we're going we're going to get out of here. We have to try. We have to you know choose life. Right. And she's saying, you know, tell my grandson you always choose life. Give him this. And I I thought that was touching. It I, was touching. Yeah. It was a very nice scene. Yeah. And I also just loved the fact that both Shelley Winters had to you know did the scene mm-hmm. because she trained for it and everything. But that the character actually was like, no no no, I got this. And mm-hmm. she's like the least. She's been having trouble the entire time yeah. and telling people to go ahead because it's like, look, I'm an old fat lady. I can't go. I'll get in your way. I can't climb the clear Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, religious issues aside. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't even a real tree. But. No, but thankfully it was made of solid steel. Yeah, apparently, there's something you want on a boat. Yeah, sure. You make your your. 30-foot Christmas tree out of steel girders. Yeah. And don't anchor it very well, so it tips over. Yeah, because that wouldn't ever happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a good scene. And then it's even, you know, sadder when Jack Alberts comes comes up and holds his dead wife and whispers Mm -hmm. in her her ear, Mm -hmm. you still owe me the (laughs) $260,000. He does not. (laughs) So I do have a question. I did sort of, uh, we we talked about this a little bit in the trivia. You were mentioning um, uh, Carol Lindley's blue eyes. Yeah. 
Does every major actor in this film have blue eyes? Because they kind of do. I thought Borgnine had brown eyes. If you look, a disproportionate amount of people yeah. in this film have blue eyes. Because well, I kept Red noticing it. It's does, like, yeah, yeah the, Eric Shea Hackman. does. Uh, Gene Hackman yeah. does. Ah, I see some sort of crypto Aryan uh, agenda I, here. It was just weird because it was like I've well, never noticed that many blue eyes before. I think um, what's your name? The Borgnine's wife has blue eyes. Well, you know, no one knows what it's like to be the bad man, to be the sad man behind blue eyes. No, but you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> yeah, again, I just we we finally get to this, and they're banging on the ceiling, and and. You know, then suddenly there's banging back and a, and a blowtorch. Yes, and a, a bunch of, I guess, I wasn't sure from the accent, I guess Greek Coast Guard people? Well, it shouldn't, well they shouldn't have gotten that far. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Foreigners, whatever they were. Foreigners. Did you but, find them else? No, no one else. Nope. We even oh. lost Mr. Suvlaki, whatever mm-hmm. his name is. And I'm sorry, I just don't know any Greek names. So. Uh, we'd, uh, not that we're necessarily dumb, but we'd have to have some uh, talking points for yeah. this film. Is the disaster as presented in this movie, Mm -hmm. believable. Yeah, I think so. Again, I don't know enough about that sort of boat to know if they would actually stay capsized. Mm -hmm. But I absolutely believe in a big wave knocking over a boat because it's happened. I think at the very least, a wave of that size hitting a boat that size in the way it was hit would cause a huge disaster. Yeah, at at least it would tip over. Yeah, I I don't know if it would and even if it got even halfway over, that might be enough to flood areas that would make it impossible to, to pump yeah. it out. I, to me, it was it's it's completely believable. Just with a bigger toy. Yeah, yeah it didn't look good. But. Um, and the next question probably doesn't apply, but if eh, maybe it still can. Yeah. If not, or even in this case, if so, is there something that could have been done to make it more believable? Yeah, better model boat. <laughs> yeah. More impressive looking boat. Uh, more more stuff about the, the, the way the ship itself. I mean, obviously... They couldn't use more of the ship because they must have only licensed a certain amount of the Queen Mary because they don't want you shooting on it. But Well, they shot some of the interior scenes like cabin scenes yeah. and stuff like that because yeah. uh, I can't remember if the Queen Mary is actually still there or not, but it's been docked in L.A. for like f- at least 50 years. Yeah. And it is an attractive... Some people actually lived on it for a while. Oh, wow. It was a weird thing where you could just buy a cabin, but it's it's been a museum. Again, I think they were finally saying fairly recently... Um, who's going to pay to keep this thing floating? And everyone looked around and was like, and I think they're finally like, okay, now do we, what do we do with it? Because it's like, it's rusting and falling apart. I think, and also, I think it would have been, if we had just gotten a little bit more about the characters, because everything was so encapsulated and just so, here it is, here is our character development in easy to swallow form. Or in some cases, in suppository form. Because we're just going (laughs) to shove this into you. I'm not sure that I want more. Uh. I think what I want is less yelling. (laughs) Like, I want... When you see a disaster film, you're supposed to be rooting for the characters to get free. The kid, I didn't root for because it's like, there's no way Hollywood's going to kill a kid. It's not happening in the 70s. It's just not. They just wouldn't. I didn't care anything one way or the other about Nancy Drew or Carol Lindley because yeah. there wasn't really much character there. There wasn't much there there. And so then we've got the Bakersons. It's yeah. like, eh, so the Lockhorns drown. Do yeah. I really care? Well, eh. one of them does, yeah. The nicest couple is, is uh, Jack Rosens. Albertson, the Rosens. Yeah. And you feel, because they actually, they're talking about what she wants to do is she really wants to go and meet, because they have never met, yeah. their grandson. Mm-hmm. 
This is a big deal from a big mm -hmm. trip they've been dreaming about, and we get the idea yeah. that Jack has been running a store for decades, never takes vacations because that's what you do. Now they've saved money and they're old and they're going to go see their grandson for the first time, and they just want to meet him. It's like that's it. They don't even have like, oh, we're going to meet him and then we're going to take him to this. Yeah. No, they just want to meet him, and it's actually very sweet. Yeah. So we care about them, but of course, they one of them dies. Yeah. And then the other one's like, yeah, just go on without me, and they're like, oh yeah, sure, yeah, stay there, you Marty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but is he? Yeah, and I do have to say that was one of my problems with Hackman speaking because he's like, no, you have to come because otherwise she died for nothing. Um, she saved all of the rest of you. <laughs> you know, yeah. all of all, all you guys are still alive because of her. It's not for nothing. He just wants to stay and die with the with the love of his life. Emembere, enwe, uye, urwe, under the e, e, alway. <laughs> Um day, <laughs> yeah. I, whatever, and I, I, I yeah. totally understand Jack Albertson's point of view at that point because it's like, I want to see my grandson, but as far as life goes, my life was with her, yeah. and that was actually very sweet. Was... I don't know if I want more of the characters we got. Mm -hmm. I think I just would like That's characters reason. I liked. That's reasonable because Hackman just is also just like the screamy priest. It's like I mean, he has he is clearly the hero. He's trying to save everybody, and then he but... gives up. Yeah, and he's like, I'm done. Yeah. But kind of understand. He's been through an awful lot. They all have. Yeah, but like, and he literally just goes, eh, and he lets go and falls mm -hmm. to the water to his death. Mm -hmm. Kind of, sort of. All I thought was maybe he doesn't want them to risk their lives to try to save him because he's hanging out there. I don't know how they'd get him back over to the catwalk. Well, he could swim to I the decking where they could. Yeah, I still didn't get that. I don't understand why they're falling into the... Oh no, the water's on fire. So, the top of it is, <laughs> there's a whole lot of it underneath, right? And even if he got super hot real quick, he went right into the water. Yeah. So I think one of the major things to make this more believable is if he was quote unquote sacrificing himself, what his actions actually did would have had to been the only way that they were going to get through, but the only way that they would get through is if he died. Yeah. Not, eh. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I could see that. That's pretty much all my notes. Yeah. How about you? Are we ready uh, to... Uh... I think that's about it, except I do question. At one point, when in, in the beginning, Pamela Sue Martin jumps off a table off the ceiling, right. and they catch her on a tablecloth. Yeah, boy, that is one strong that table. That is not, a, not just a strong tablecloth, but that is my... I mean, there's a th th those things that the firemen use to catch people, the rescue blankets, those are made of very special fabric. I question how, if that would have worked. Max... Lame is a very special fabric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, other than that, uh, I'm good. Let's go to the wrap-up. The finish. So, Max. Yeah. This is the first time you've seen this. It is. First time. You knew of it. It's, I it, has, did. it has a kind of, I don't know, it's well, legend. It's very, it's very well known. Yeah. It's influenced a lot of other movies. I want to say it's. they use clips for this in many other shows, yeah. like clip shows, award shows, blah, 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 blah. Yep. It take it's best you can yeah. taking it in context. Meaningly, yeah. it came out in the nineteen seventies. Yeah. What did you think of the movie? Wow, I do not miss the seventies clothes or <laughs> hair. But overall, honestly, for what it is, it's not bad. It's it's exactly what it is. It's a disaster porn movie. Mm. It's there's tension. <clears throat> there's some good visuals outside inside the ship. <laughs> there are plenty of Adequate performances and a few good ones. For what it is and in the context, I think it works. I, I think it's a solid 
you know, disaster movie. And, you know, you can see why Irwin Allen, who, did he direct this? Or no, produced, he produced it. He produced it. Irwin Allen became king of the of the disaster movies. Yeah. And uh, I can see why. What about you? Well, let me let me yeah. add, add a little another question on here. So that's in context. Yeah. How do you think the film holds up today? Um, again, for what it is, eh, it's very dated. The whole thing with the women who are mostly there to scream and, you know, I've twisted my ankle. Um, you can't get into the water with all those clothes. You must take <laughs> as many off as possible. Yeah, pre yeah pretty uh, much. Only the young, attractive women. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. yeah. Although we and, will uh, have By the shoes. way, yes, you can leave your tuxedo jacket on. Yeah. But mm. it's okay. I mean, it's... I, I don't think I would watch it for entertainment value now. It's because it is very melodramatic and kind of over the top. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, or under the bottom. Yeah. Or <laughs> under the sea. Or yeah. What about you? I have a real problem with the storytelling. Again, we're trying to root for characters that, in general, we don't like. The most likable character in the group ends up being Mrs. Rosen, mm -hmm. and second is uh, Mr. Rosen. Yeah. After that, I can easily see the argument for hating the kid. Let's face it. Most of the time, if you've got a kid and then the rest of the cast is adults, you hate the kid because yeah. they're really they're usually obnoxious. <laughs> At least and he's polite most of the time. He is, and he actually, as I said, I think Eric Shea does a good job. He does not seem like a most kid acting. No, would he's be seen. Yeah, he's quite good for a kid. But Gene Hackman is just not a priest. I don't <laughs> believe him as a priest for an instant. He's our hero. If he had been some other profession, it might have worked better. Or if they had hired somebody else for a priest. Yeah, he doesn't seem very spiritual. Um, I Maybe mean, he is. Maybe Gene Hackman was. but uh, He was apparently a mixture of three different religions, and one of them was Buddhism, and I forget mm. what the other... One of them was Christian, I forget the other one was. So he was spiritual, okay. but not... Yeah. yeah. Um, so we have a bunch of characters that, I, that are yelling at each other uh, for various reasons that I didn't care for. The special effects... Do not hold up. Maybe for the, yeah. obviously for the time they did great because they won an Academy yeah, Award. But, yeah, again, you have to take that in. You know. And to be fair, it's mostly the boat that doesn't work. The rest yeah, of it's fairly good. good. I honestly, the pacing is mostly good, but yeah. it slows down towards the end of the film. And also, I really think we should see the water really rushing in and destroying things as opposed to Dribbling. well, the bathtub's filling. <laughs> yeah. So. I can't recommend it. Uh, for today's audiences especially, I think they're going to find it 270s. I would recommend it for historical, you know, completeness. If you want to sure. see, you know, where the one of the way, places this genre really started. Yeah. With that and airport. Right. Yeah, that, that would be it. Yeah. But uh, that yeah. leads us back to our, yeah, what uh, is our poll our question. Poll yeah, tell so us, tell us. do you prefer your disaster porn intimate or on a grand scale? Intimate mm -hmm. meaning like? A vehicle, such as a plane or yeah, a boat, yeah. a toy boat, if you will. <laughs> or, or do you want to see cities destroyed like an ID4? Or <laughs> You're only doing that because I don't have access to my special effects this week. <laughs> Notice I didn't say it. Yep. Therefore, it yep. doesn't count. <laughs> okay. But you will let us know in the usual ways yes. if you would. You can email us directly at us at maxmikemovies.com which, of course, is from our website, which is also maxmikemovies.com. There, or through email, you can send us comments. You can give us ideas for entire series or movies you think we should definitely include, such as Jurassic Park, which it's been pointed out we have not, in fact, reviewed at any True. point. 
You could also just say, you guys are totally right, and I believe every word you say. Or which you, which you should. Something similar to that effect. You can find us on Facebook. We are Max Mike Movies at Facebook. You can leave comments there, either to our poll question or, you know, again, give us suggestions of stuff you want us to do, or even suggestions to other social media, if there are any, not Twitter, that you might think would be good for fit for us. Yep. But, mm-hmm. oh, disaster porn. Oh, wait, there's a lot more porn oh, yeah. to go. More porn. Yep. We got another oh, one. Porn. How much more porn, Max? What porn are we porning next week? Well, I'll tell you soon. Now would be good. No, day after tomorrow. No, no now, Max. No, no, I'm gonna, no, I'll tell you. No, it's the day after tomorrow. N- no, Max, the show is only an hour long. We yeah. can't wait that long. What is the name of the movie we're going to watch next week? I'll tell you. The day after tomorrow. No, I need to know now. <laughs> Third, Third base. <laughs> yes, we are. A lot of people have brought this up as the most unbelievable or silliest of the disasters. So, of course, we have to do it. The movie where people run away from cold. <laughs> Successfully, yes, yes, we got this. With uh, we we got another Quaid in here. No. We've got we've got a Gyllenhaal. Yeah, we got lots of stuff, and we've got we've got f- a lot of cold. But it's the day after tomorrow, if you want to keep warm, join us next week and burn the script <laughs> as we rub our hands over the warmth of the destruction of this film. And or tell you how much you should watch it because it's really great. Yes. Listen and warm yourself over our blistering commentary. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. (laughs) 